Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of St. Luke. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your word. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Today, we are going to study the Magnificat, starting in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his posterity forever. That Magnificat is obviously one of the real high spots in the entire New Testament, as well as the Gospel of Luke. But since this is a family Bible study, I want to keep it very practical and approach the Magnificat from a little different perspective than perhaps it's usually done. I would like to approach it with a question. And here's the question. What was it about Mary that God saw someone so special that he selected her for the most remarkable maternal role in the history of mankind. What was it about Mary? And I'm going to suggest just two things. The first comes from the very title of the Magnificat, and in Latin it simply means to magnify. And her theology was focused on God, and so often we want to apply theology to ourselves. In other words, how does the doctrine of salvation affect me? And those are appropriate questions, but more central to everything is God himself. There's a great book that I've never read, but I broke down and purchased a a copy this week. It's entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small. And really, that kind of very carefully describes what has gone on in the modern world. People are big, God is small. But for Mary, it was just the opposite. She magnified her God. Probably the best description of what's going on here is from Pope Benedict XVI in his first encyclical on Christian love. He says, in these words, she expresses her whole program of life. This is her whole worldview, not centering herself at the center, but leaving space for God, 
who is encountered both in prayer and in service of neighbor. Mary's greatness consists in the fact that she wants to magnify God, not herself. She knows that she will only contribute to the salvation of the world if, rather than carrying out her own projects, she places herself completely at the disposal of God's initiatives. So again, back to that question. What was it about Mary that God selected her for such a unique role that she played in the entire history of the world and the history of redemption? Well, she focused on God. She magnified God. And one of the takeaways from this, as you're catechizing your children and working with a catechism class in your parish, have you ever thought of maybe just taking a few weeks and concentrate on the attributes of God? And just as an experiment, well, I'll, I'll experiment with you listening to this broadcast. Name for me real quick three attributes of God. And a lot of times people in the modern world will go, and really by focusing on God himself and his attributes, we magnify him. Mary uh, basically focused on God's great sovereignty, his faithfulness, his holiness, right here in the Magnificat, his grace, his mercy, his love. And it's a great exercise to help us magnify God. And by doing so, always wanting to put him at the center of everything is the first step in becoming a mother like Mary was. Now, there's a second aspect to Mary that I think is perhaps too frequently overlooked by Catholics, and it's something that made her very, very exceptional because her thinking obviously was very God-centered, but where did that come from? Did she just pick it up, or was there something very specific about it? And here's what I think the real key that's overlooked to Mary, and it's a key for Catholic mothers today. This isn't something that was just way back then. This is a characteristic that God would, would look for in any Catholic parent, particularly mom, since we're talking about mothers today. Mary was a woman of the Word of God, and to a superlative degree. This is one of the most amazing things. I have studied Scripture for many decades, and I don't think I could do what she did. I mean, this was a spontaneous prayer. It's a hymn of praise, but it's composed of at least a dozen scriptures from memory, and some of the scriptures, portions of the scriptures, are embedded within a sentence. And those of you who were with me as we studied the book of Revelation, the same thing with St. John. He'll quote a part of an Old Testament text in the middle of one of his sentences. Like you and I would in school write a term paper and we quote something where we leave a little space indent and, and show that it's a quotation by it's all set apart. But for her scriptural quotations, they're not set apart. They're part of her. They're just part of her thoughts, and it all came flying out. This is utterly remarkable, and it's one of the most condensed expressions of Scripture in the form of praise that you find anywhere in the Bible. Mary had these Scriptures memorized, deeply meditated upon, and it 
all came out in the Magnificat. There's one key passage that starts everything off from 1 Samuel chapter 2 in the Old Testament, and that was a prayer of Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was barren. She really wanted a child, and she went to the temple and prayed, and God answered her prayer, uh, gave Hannah a son, Samuel, and so Hannah prayed like this. This is from 1 Samuel 2. My heart exalts in the Lord. This is almost identical to the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's basically saying the same thing. Two godly women, one from the Old Testament, now one from the New, both exalting God. He says, my strength is exalted in the Lord. She's not boasting of herself. She's boasting of the Lord who's been faithful to her. And so she goes on to say, there is none holy like the Lord. And so in addition to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and again, um, you know, when this happened, she didn't say, uh, you know, uh, go, go let me pull the Bible off the shelf or pull up my Bible concordance on my computer and try to find something appropriate to say. No, this just came out. This spontaneously came out. In addition to 1 Samuel chapter 2, you have Psalm 89. You have Psalm 98, you have Psalm 111, Sirach 33, Habakkuk 3, and there's, and there's others. It goes on and on. And so she was a very unique person who was of the Word. And, you know, Catholic mothers are given lots of advice today, and a lot of advice comes from psychologists and some of those psychologists, like Dr. Ray, who you hear on Catholic Radio, is good advice. But how about advice for mothers from a pope? Listen to Pope Benedict XVI, what he said about the Magnificat, because we want to go back to our original question. What was it about Mary that made her so special that God picked her to be the mother of Jesus Christ and ask ourselves, what can we be like today to be a woman or a man like that? He goes, the Magnificat is entirely woven from threads of Holy Scripture, threads drawn from the Word of God. Here we see how completely at home Mary is with the Word of God. With ease, she moves in and out of it. She speaks and thinks with the Word of God. The Word of God becomes her Word, and her Word issues from the Word of God. Here we see how her thoughts are attuned to the thoughts of God, how her will is one with the will of God. Since Mary is completely imbued with the Word of God, she is able to become the mother of the Word incarnate. And then Pope Benedict asked a question. How about us? Are we completely imbued with God's word? And then he quotes St. Paul, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And so if you want to follow in the footsteps of Mary, you want to be a mother or father who is filled with the Word of God. And you might say, well, what about the rosary? Well, you know, 
Mary didn't pray the rosary. The rosary is about her and her life and meditations and along with her son. But she was critically attuned to the thoughts of God. And obviously, she was in all likelihood a teenager when she became the mother of Jesus Christ. And she was equipped to become the mother of Jesus Christ because by her teens, she had this wealth of Scripture in her. It was a part of her. And she had not just read it. She did not just memorize it. She obviously meditated on it because in meditation, something you read and and really make a part of you, it becomes part of your thinking process. Now, let's just jump a little bit forward in the Gospel of Luke and see the fruit from Mary's deep attachment to Scripture. And we can see in the fruit of her attachment to Scripture an answer to our question, what was so special about Mary that God chose her to be the mother of Jesus? Now, there are many characteristics, but this is a, this is a real biggie. Now, I'm going to go to the next chapter, and at the end of the next chapter, in Luke chapter 4, you know the story where they were visiting Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph go home, and Jesus is left behind, and they had no idea where he was. They checked the crowds going back home. He wasn't there. They go back to Jerusalem, searching frantically for their 12-year-old son, and they found him. Luke 2 and verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And after three days, you can imagine the panic level is going up in the parents. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, you have to realize that the teachers in the temple were really smart folks. They had memorized massive portions of the Old Testament. They were the equivalent of at least a contemporary PhD in theology and scripture, or maybe a double PhD. You're talking about a 12-year-old boy with a dozen Scott Hans surrounding him, and he's just utterly amazing them. Now, you might think, well, that's just because Jesus came from heaven and God just, you know, put it all in his mind. Well, he was the Word of God, but you have to realize that Jesus went through Normal, normal human growth and development, intellectually and physically. In fact, it says right after this, you know, he went home and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Jesus was a normal person, and God used the normal way of the holy family to convey to Jesus what he needed to do his ministry to become an expert in the law at 12 years old. How in the world did he do that? Well, I do know that Mary could do something that I couldn't do after studying Scripture for 40 years. She had it to a superlative degree, and she conveyed it to her son. So, if you want to ask what made Mary so special, I think this is the neglected aspect of Mary's life 
for Catholic moms who really want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, don't panic. I'm going to give you a lot of practical applications how to do that in just a minute. But I got to mention one more thing, and it's really, really important to me. And that's the wilderness temptation of Jesus. We just go forward a little bit more in the Gospel of Luke. And as Jesus embarks on his public ministry, he spends 40 days in the wilderness. And three times, three times, the devil himself comes at Jesus with everything he's got. He is ready to take him out. And each time the devil came at Jesus, Jesus fought off that temptation, not with some bolt of lightning empowered by heaven, but no, he fought off these attacks by Satan with a memorized scripture. Three times Jesus said, it is written, And then he spontaneously came out with a very appropriate scripture to fend off the attack by the devil. Well, where did he get that? Well, he got it the same place he got when talking to the teachers in the temple. He got it from Mary. And Mary had that inside her by the time she was a teenager. Now, if you're a Catholic mom in your 30s or 40s, don't, oh no, I'll never catch up. You can do a great job of catching up, believe me. Just We'll get to the practical stuff, but let me just share something personal. I was a prodigal son, and that means I also had a lot of prodigal friends in high school and college. And after I converted and decided to really follow Jesus, a number of my friends were very unhappy with my conversion. And so they tailor-made some temptations for me to make me stumble and revert to paganism. And this is why I feel very strongly about this, because the only way I survived, I, I, you know, I didn't even know that this big plan was going on, my friend's plans for me, but they were being made consciously. They get in the bar and how are we going to trip Steve up and bring him back to the old ways? And the only thing I had done is I put a lot of scripture into my mind. And let me be blunt with you. You would not be listening to my voice right now if I had not done that. I don't think I would have stood up to what they threw at me. I'd go a step further. I don't think I would have had the wisdom to marry my wife, Karen. That means I wouldn't have my eight kids and my 10 grandkids. I mean, my whole life would have been radically different if I hadn't had the wisdom and I had a couple of uh, friends, one particular in the Navy, who who told me about the idea of trying to really put the scriptures into your mind and even memorize them. I, I would have stumbled. It kept me It kept Jesus, and Jesus got what he got because Mary, by the time she was a teenager, had it. And I think this is so incredibly important because for two reasons. One, it's neglected aspect of Mary for Catholic moms, and where Catholic moms are told to do all this stuff and they're given long books and lists of things to do, this is a focus that's staring us in the face at the Magnificat, okay? And number two, right along with that, not only a focus for for the moms, but let me tell you something with 
utter, absolute assurance. I can guarantee this. If you're raising children in the 21st century, they will have their temptation in the wilderness, just like I had from my pagan buddies, just like Jesus had from Satan in the wilderness. They are going to have a full-scale spiritual attack growing up in today's world. How are they going to survive? They're going to survive in the exact same way that Mary taught Jesus and you can teach your kids. This is how it works. And this is how you can even fend off a direct attack by Satan in having the Word of God in you and ready to go. Okay, so what do we do about this? How do we get it in? All right, first thing is that a lot of times parents say, wow, I really need to go on my get going on my kids. But notice there's a certain sequence here, okay? Mary had the scriptures in her before Jesus was born. And then after Mary had the scriptures in her, she conveyed it to her son. So mom and dad, it all starts with you, not your kids. Put it in you. And you are to be the vehicle to convey it to your children. And again, Mary may have had a really good head start on you, but uh, you'd be amazed with God's help and Mary's intercession how well you can play catch up. So here's some things to do. If you're listening to this broadcast, not just because I'm your host, but really encourage you to hang with us. This is the reason I'm doing this broadcast. My concern in the 21st century is keeping Catholic kids from washing out. And this is a a huge, overwhelming burden that I am carrying right now for Catholic families. And it's a prime reason why I'm doing this series in the Gospel of Luke. So if you all possible, not what you're drive, not while you're driving, of course, but if you want to listen to this, try to have an open Bible. And if you catch it on your local Catholic radio station, catch it a second time on iTunes with an open Bible, and you'll find you just need a few of these things to really get in you and a part of you that can start transforming your life. Second thing, get a good Bible. And here's what I'd recommend. Uh, the translation of the RSVCE, and I know that may not may not mean anything to you. And if you have any questions about any of these recommendations I'm going to give you, simply send an email to askthehost at gmail.com. And if at all possible, reference episode 228, but you don't need to do that. Just say what Bible or what translation you're recommending. The Revised Standard Version the Catholic edition of that, and Ignatius Press publishes it. And I recommend not only the RSVCE, but a version of it that you can take with you. Because if you're going to do this, it's not just like, you know, having a quiet time every fourth day or something, but, you know, you're in a waiting room, you're, you're standing in line. How about having a little New Testament and Psalms, real handy size. You can stick in your purse, your briefcase, your backpack or whatever. And Ignatius Press has a real handy New Testament and Psalms. I recommend it highly for kids as a starter. No, it doesn't have the Old Testament, but on the other hand, they're not going to start reading Leviticus and get bored and quit. Um, The New Testament Psalms are great places to start with Scripture. Or if you do want the whole thing, 
Ignatius Press, the same RSVCE, has what they call the Compact Bible. It's a little smaller print. It has all the Bible. Get a copy that you can simply take with you, okay? Now, along with that, see, we're, we're talking about putting it in here. If, you're, if you want to be like Mary, you're going to have to use some effort to get it in. This, I think, is one of the most wonderful ways to use modern technology with the ancient scriptures and have a transformed life and be prepared as a parent for the 21st century is read the scriptures by listening, in addition to reading, but particularly by listening. You know, in the um, ancient world, the idea of reading silently was kind of unknown. And you look in Acts chapter 8, Philip said to go down to a certain place, and he'd run into this Ethiopian reading the Old Testament. And it says he was reading the prophet Isaiah as he was driving along in his chariot. And so the spirit said to Philip, go up and join him. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. In other words, reading in the ancient world, reading in the biblical world was reading aloud. So why not get an audio Bible? You can download them to your smartphone. There's all kinds of apps. You can get uh, audio Bibles on MP3 CDs, and you can get them on USB sticks, which has the whole Bible in the size of a little USB drive, and it has a little plug for the headphones. You can get them for your kids. doesn't have anything else on it. So you want to get a good audio Bible for your smartphone. Personally, I do not like the dramatized audio Bibles. I like the straight, good narration. I use a version, since they don't have the RSVCE and a good narration without all the drama, I use the ESV. It's an accurate translation for the New Testament, and I listen to it on my smartphone. Very often, I'm making breakfast. I'll be listening to what I'm going to be teaching in Luke. I listen to it several times during the week, and then something kind of clicks in my mind. I go back to the hard copy of the Bible, kind of make a note on that. But here's something interesting. The ESV is available in a video Bible, and the video Bible is a DVD, and you simply go to the ESV Video Bible, and again, just send me an email if you need help, but it has the narration, but it'll have the text on your TV. Put it on. Your kids will watch it, you know, go along following the text of Scripture and hearing it narrated. The whole idea is to put it in, lots of it, continually and deep, and you'll be prepared for the 21st century. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.